I was reading some things called Dumb Things People Do, and there's a, 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 a thing that goes out every year called Darwin Awards, and this was Darwin Awards 2007. Has anybody heard of those before? A few of you. You probably get these sometimes in the you know, email. Here's some honorable mentions of things that just stupid things people do. Uh, a man walked into a Louisiana Circle K, put a $20 bill on the counter, asked for change. When the clerk opened the cashier, the man pulled a gun. And he asked for all the cash in the register, which the clerk promptly provided. And the man took the cash from the clerk and fled, leaving the $20 bill on the counter. The total amount of cash he got from the drawer was $15. <laughs> kind of the moral is if someone points a gun at you, give them your money. And then you wonder, was a crime committed? The chef at a hotel in Switzerland lost a finger in a meat-cutting machine and submitted a claim to the insurance company. The company, expecting negligence, sent out one of its men to have it look for himself. He tried the machine, and he also lost a finger. The chef's claim was approved. This one, this one I think is rather clever. After stopping for drinks in a legal bar, a Zimbabwean bus driver found that the 20 mental patients, you got to catch this, the 20 mental patients he was supposed to be transporting to a destination had escaped not wanting to admit his incompetence, the driver went to a nearby bus stop and offered everyone waiting there a free ride. <laughs> this is great. He then delivered the passengers to the mental hospital, telling the staff that the patients were very excitable and prone to bizarre fantasies. The deception wasn't discovered for three days. So don't just get on any old bus. The Ann Arbor News Crime Column reported that a man walked into a Burger King in Ypsilanti, Michigan at 5 a.m., flashed a gun and demanded cash, and the clerk turned him down because he said he couldn't open the cash register without a food order. Well, that makes sense. And when the man ordered onion rings, the clerk said they weren't available for breakfast. <laughs> oh, and the man frustrated walked away. Eggs. That's usually something at breakfast. Eggs. No, anyway. When a man attempted to siphon gasoline from a motorhome parked on a Seattle street, he got much more than he ever bargained for. <laughs> Someone already knows the story. Or they've tried it themselves. I don't know. Anyway, police arrived at the scene to find a very sick man curled up next to the motorhome. A police spokesman said that the man, as he was lying there struggling, admitted to trying to steal gasoline plugged his siphon hose into the motorhome's sewage tank by mistake. <laughs> the owner of the vehicle declined to press charges. He said it was the best laugh he ever had. Now, this is really kind of a sad one, but it's the actual glorious winner of the 2007 Darwin Award. When his 38 caliber revolver failed to fire at his intended victim during a holdup in Long Beach, California, would-be Robert James Elliott did something that can only inspire wonder. He peered down the barrel and tried to trigger again. This time it worked. Justice has its ways. Well, I want to tell you, we do do some stupid things. I bet you every one of us could go through our life and say some really silly things that we've done that just are not real wise. In fact, the series that I want to speak about is called Streetwise. It's, it's from Proverbs, and it, it's the whole idea that I want to talk about in these next five weeks is the idea it's time to get smart. 
a little play in a movie that's been out, it's time to get smart. We're actually going to be looking at these, these proverbs because I believe Solomon wrote these proverbs to help people become wise about what does and doesn't work on the journey of life. I believe he was very practical about it. I think he observed a lot of Darwin Awards in his own day. In fact, if you read scripture, you'll see that Solomon himself made some really stupid choices, and he recorded some of those choices in, a, in I think, one of his first bestsellers called Ecclesiastes. I think Solomon spent, as it says in this book, a lifetime seeking wisdom. And it was this book, Ecclesiastes, that was a a book that explained his exploration and shared some of the stupid things he did or that he observed other people doing. In fact, he, he writes at the very beginning of this about his journey. He says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I devoted myself to study and explore by wisdom all that is under heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13. But I think Proverbs is interesting. I think it's a companion volume to Ecclesiastes. I think it was such a good selling. This is my own interpretation, okay? Of this book of Ecclesiastes, that the publishers came to them and said, let's do another one called Proverbs. How about putting some of those things that you learned about the stupid things you did in a volume that is about the wise things people should do? And if they would just do these kind of smart things, they might begin to experience the kind of life that many of their hearts long for. They might find some some goals that they had set in life actually fulfilled. They might find some relationships that they have with people that have been broken or severed or or seem to be continue to be stuck and, and in a rut. They might find by practicing some of these little Wise sayings in making them a part of their life that might have more intimacy in their relationships. They might find that in actually applying some of these proverbs that they will begin to see that life works with certain principles and laws in ways that allow for people to experience the very kind of life that God always intended for them to live. And so I imagine they batted around some titles like Common Sense Living or Becoming Streetwise, and they ended up with what Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 says. If you want to turn to that slide of chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, you'll see in Proverbs 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon. And it is the title of this book because it's really the first word, the Proverbs. And we're told right away who the writer of that is. Solomon, son of David. He's the king. And this is a book all about wisdom. It's in the wisdom literature of the Bible. The Bible says there are things within God's word that are given to make us wise unto life or living. And the very first thing I just want to share with you, it's very, very simple. It's a very common sense thing. But wisdom is basically a way of doing life. When someone says, be wise, Be smart. They're not in that sense saying necessarily get an education, although education, information, and and all that kind of stuff is very, very important, obviously. But what they're saying is to apply yourself in a way that's wise to the things that are around you. And there are things that you can learn and you can know that can help that. So if we read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, you'll see that Solomon begins and he says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, kind of the title, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. 
for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Basically, wisdom is a way of doing life. Solomon begins by calling anyone who wants to be wise to listen to these proverbs. And as I refer to this, and we will through, it's ways of doing life that make sense. These proverbs, these sayings, these riddles are all ways or strategies that you can apply in your life that can help you in very practical ways. But they're not just things you do once. They are actually proverbs that are to be actions that are done over and over again. If you do them over and over again and you do them consistently, you will begin to set patterns in your life. You will actually understand how the brain works today. You will actually begin to cause ruts to occur in your life that done consistently become habits that lead to success that lead to prosperous ways, and I'm not talking financially, I'm just talking about ways that help you grow and develop in all that you're intending. There are approaches to life that make a difference. For instance, it says a soft answer turns away wrath. The idea that when you um, find yourself becoming defensive or wanting to react in anger, ever had that in an argument with your spouse, with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Am I the only one? It says the soft answer basically keeps it from becoming more filled with anger, which is really just energy. It's basically you, you, in a soft answer, instead of dialing up things, you dial it down. If you do that consistently, you know what happens? You begin to have a habit of gentleness, which is really a forming of your character, so that you become known as being gentle. And then, I have to just share with you, these are not things, often they're things that you can learn, and they're best learned when you're a child, because those things are set, and parents can help set those things in place, and some of you are kind of going, well, I didn't have that kind of upbringing. But you know what's so wonderful about wisdom is that it can, it can, you can learn it at any point you want to. All you have to do, as we'll see later, is come to a point where you want to learn, a place of humility, a place of things are broken, they're not working the way they should, and God says, guess what, I have wisdom for you. I have a way of doing life. I have a principle of how you can apply some things that are true that can make a difference right now in your life. So that it says, look at the ants. You ever have a terranium? Anybody ever have one of these ant terraniums? Come on, a few, maybe. I did. And I remember watching these things, and they would they, they have these little, in this little box, and it's, you have all the sand, and you get them from mail. That's what we got them. And then all of a sudden, these ants, after a little while, they wake up from being asleep in the, in the ride. And they get busy, and they start one little pebble after another. They... And before you know it, they've got all these tunnels and all these things are made. And, and, and Solomon says, look at the ants. You'll see that a person who looks at something that looks impossible before them, if they just take one pebble at a time and do it over and over and over and over and over again, that which looked impossible can become possible. Well, that takes the kind of life principle that realizes that hard work and persistence pays off. And eventually, people who do that are known to be dependable, hard workers. But in our age of instant everything, that doesn't happen too often, right? We just pop it in the microwave and we want it done like that. We just want to pop in our business so that in a year or two it's really prosperous rather than a 20-year run. Or whatever it is, in a marriage. Man, if it's not good after five years, might as well give up. 
rather than day in and day out doing the hard work of whatever it might be that, is, that says you put all your energy and all your hope and your heart into it and you work together, even bring in counselors and others around it, you bring in the Word of God into it and you begin to shape it. And over time, even though it's not everything you want, over time you begin to realize it's not so much their fault that may be things about you. It's ways of doing life. Solomon writes, the Proverbs are ways of living life. And I just want to ask you to think for a second. I, there's all kinds of them in here. In fact, one of the great things to do, and I might challenge you to do this, is starting tomorrow, there's 31 of them. You can do it for a month. Read one a month. You know, there's what I call Psalms and Proverbs people. My wife always calls me more of a Psalms person. Those are the ones that cry with your heart and praise to God. And, and uh, they kind of his emotions up. And then you have Proverbs people who are just really practical, common sense, very wise. My wife is more of a Proverbs person, and she said, you know what would really help you, Kevin, sometimes if you would just read Proverbs every day for the next year. And I've done that. I'm doing that. There are some people here, I just want to challenge you to really think through this and maybe say, you know what, there's 31, I can do this for 12 months, and I'll do 31. And you know what, in those Proverbs, God may begin to start speaking to me about something that I need to really look at in my life. Wisdom is a way of doing life. And let me share with you a second thing. Wisdom is available to all. It is a part of what's called God's provenient grace. It's that, all, it's that goodness of God that he gives to all people, whether they know God or not. That's what's amazing about it. Gravity affects everybody, right? Whether you believe in God or not. These common sense words here are helpful to that's what's so amazing about God. He so loves his people. He so loves every one of us that even if you today are, have turned your back against God and are walking away from him, in the same way that gravity works, if you apply these things, you'll be successful. And in some ways, you may be so good at applying those things, you don't even think you need God. Because common sense just works. And so he basically says, you know what, wisdom is so incredible, you'll see that it's not only a way of doing life that all people can do, but the great thing about it is that God does give it to everybody. He is no respecter of person on this. People from, that are very different can, can apply these things in their life. If you just watch people, you'll see if they apply a particular truth in their life, you'll notice that they have different personalities, they live different kind of lives, they come from different economic circumstances. They will have different talents and abilities. They may come from different backgrounds. You can watch it work in different cultures. You can see it in different ethnicities. You can see that this kind of wisdom works according to different genders. It works according to different age groups. It really doesn't matter. God says that this is so common. It is so ordinary in a sense. This kind of wisdom that he places in his word that if you want it in your life, you can have it. But what's really true for all of us is that we lack certain aspects of this kind of wisdom for all kinds of different reasons. Sometimes it's because of the whole household that we're brought up in, and there are some of those kind of things that we either rebel against and so they don't become a part of our life, or we, we swim in with the culture of a home that maybe has got this kind of attitude that, that is maybe a, you learn to gossip in that home, or you, you learn some other kind of traits that, that don't help build intimacy. There are all kinds of ways that you can become blinded. And as the Word of God says, you become simple or naive or you actually become, as we'll look at next week, there's different words for the idea of fool, that you move down these stages of being a fool and you may not have even realized it, but the reality is that if you come to a place where you are 
open to it. It doesn't matter who you are. There's no respecter of person with regard to this. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of wealth or no wealth at all. It doesn't matter if you come from a certain, you're a, a certain race or you're a certain kind of background or you have some certain kind of education. It really doesn't matter according to God. He is so good and he is so loving that he looks at every one of us here and he says, guess what? If you want wisdom in your life, it's available. That's so cool, isn't it? It's available to anyone who wants it. Proverbs 9, verses 1 through 6 says, Fools and simpletons are actually invited to the, to the feast, which is free. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. This is wisdom has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest points of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, come, eat my food, drink the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding anybody who wants to. God's feast of wisdom is prepared for you. So in a sense, there's no excuse. Because God says anyone who wants it can have it. It's a meal that's been made available in the same way this meal has been made available. That is not just about wisdom, but about something far deeper. It's about a personal experience with the God in your life. And it's free. And wisdom begins with humility. If you note Solomon, his call in verses 4 and 5, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. He says, even to the wise, let them add to their learning. And also discerning. If you are beginning to discern and understand of your need, come. He's basically saying if you're naive, if you're still in that young place where you're tender and want to know more, if you're wise and yet open and humble, if you're discerning because you're beginning to realize things that you have been doing aren't working, all those kind of positions are places of humility. And wisdom begins with humility. And if you go on to one more verse, he goes on to say it's not just a common sense kind of wisdom that is at the heart of all this. He goes on to say those those who are simple and naive, those who are wise and those who are discerning, those who are in a place where they're humble, here is the real key. It's just not about some principles and ways of doing life to make your life better. Guess what? Underneath it all, if you look at verse 7, the very next verse of those verses, He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this kind of knowledge is not a kind of knowledge that is about facts and about about more information, about going to some adult class where you get some more information. This is a kind of a knowledge that is a personal knowing of the person who actually gives this wisdom. He's not here talking about the principles now. He's talking about this kind of knowledge is leads from a principle to a person. He's not talking about laws that work. He's not talking about a lawgiver that you can know. He's not just talking about ways of doing life now. He's talking about the way maker, the one you can be related to. And he says it all begins with an attitude of humility, and he actually uses the word fear, this idea of a sense of awe. That more than just these principles and ways of doing life and reading the Proverbs under not allying all that is a person who is willing to, to be involved in your life. But it, it takes a particular attitude and understanding. It's that which is the beginning path. It's what opens the door to this relationship.
And he uses the word fear. Now, have you ever thought about what that really means? Fear is not to necessarily be afraid of God. The idea of fear is this awe or reverence of who this holy, this very different God is, who is not common, whose power is far different than yours, whose ability to be present is far different than yours, whose ability to provide is far different than yours. It's this idea of not just awe that he's different, but of how incredibly different he is. I remember when I was in grade school and my parents took us to the Niagara Falls. Uh, anybody have the opportunity to go to the Niagara Falls? Okay, anybody have the opportunity to go to the Niagara Falls where you actually would go to the back and underneath it and you'd watch the falls go in front of you? Have that experience? I remember as a kid doing that, and I can't remember, but I just thought, like, it felt like the water was here. And I was, like, right next to it in this little raincoat. And I was in awe. Not just awe, but even a bit afraid. I was in awe of the wonder of it, but I was afraid because, do you know that pouring before me were 3,160 tons of water per second? Do you know that there are 681,750 gallons per second that flow over? And then when the water falls at 37 feet per second, it hits the base of the falls with this, 2,509 tons of force. That which was so incredibly beautiful and so incredibly awesome also had a sense of fear that I knew if I even got near that, I was in big trouble. And what is really amazing about our God is he is a God who is so loving. He is so good. He is so beautiful and so wise that he says, here, I give you my word. I will give you common ways, principles, truths to live your life. I give it to everybody. But for some who really, 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 really want to know me, you will begin to approach me with this sense of fear of awe of recognizing as you live your life day in and day out every morning when you get up you have in your heart this sense whether you do it in posture but your heart is this posture that says like looking at the falls you are awesome and i know how wonderful and beautiful you are i know how incredible you are but i also know this truth that you're incredibly loving to me but i'm not going to play around with this In our day and age, we talk about a God who is kind of buddy-buddy, but he's also a God who's very, very holy, who calls us to live in ways that bring honor and glory to his name. But this God is so incredibly wonderful that he invites you into relationship with him. He wants to hug you with his power. He wants to provide for you. He wants you to experience his goodness. I saw a little clip that just gave me a little bit of a sense of this this last week, and some of you have as well. It's called Christian the Lion. Anybody seen this? We're going to play it. And uh, as they do that, I want you to think about this, um, and then I'll just comment and close in just a moment.
That wasn't a Hallmark commercial, by the way. C.S. Lewis writes in a book called uh, a series, Narnia Chronicles, uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. He compares God to this incredibly great lion, the king of the forest. And at one point they ask him, is he good? Like, unbelievably good. Is he great? He's incredibly great. Is he safe? Well, I wouldn't say he's safe. Fear is this understanding of this God who's incredibly loving. And I I just go, can you imagine the God of the universe who gives us all this stuff, all the wisdom he provides for you commonly, whether you want it or not, he puts it out there. And yet, like this line, just imagine this God of the universe, the king of the universe, comes to you this morning and he just wants to wrap his, his arms, his paws around you and tell you, as great as I am, I could wipe you out like that, but I am in so in love with you. Let's stand together. And I just want to ask you to think about this as we close and make some just practical applications. Is there an area of your life where you need the wisdom of this God? And if so, are you willing to do it over and over again? Some of you may just need to know what is that area and you may need to ask God. Some of you, if you know it, may need to say, God, help me see exactly what that is and apply it again and again. And some of you then need to take another step. And I want you to think about this. There may be an area in your life that you need to open up to two other people you really trust and say, help me in this. And there may be some today who have been kind of walking away from God and he's saying, I'm here right now if you want me in your life. Father, we pray in close and ask that you would make yourself available to any person here who with their heart is open to you. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen.